Bet365 sponsors our podcast and features over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you'll ever need to bet on sport. Did you know you can create personalized bets with Bet365? Their bet builder lets you calculate the odds for any game right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favorite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please game responsibly. Welcome to the latest Glad Tidings Everton podcast from The Athletic. With me, Greg O'Keefe, and my colleague Patrick Boyland, and we're coming at you like a bid from Barcelona today. <laughs> Sharp and, and heavy, thundering across the uh, from the Catalonian capital. Yeah, let's get straight into it, mate. What is going on with this £85 million report of an £85 million bid for Everton's, let's say, best player, certainly most valuable player on that metric, Richarlison? Uh, emerged last night. We've been sort of plugged in to find out what's going on, and um, it's a bit of a head, bit of a mind bender. This one, isn't it? Well, first of all, I, I love that intro, by the way. And <laughs> given what we know about the deal, if we're coming at the the listeners and subscribers like a Barcelona bid for Charles, <laughs> and then we're not coming at them at all because I think this has been um, exaggerated. Completely and totally exaggerated in some quarters. I'm pretty sure that Barcelona have Richarlison somewhere on a list. Uh, a couple of people have told us that. But both clubs, both Everton and Barcelona, are denying that a bid went in. Any bid, never mind a bid of £85 million. So uh, I think there's a little bit of a mountain out, out of a molehill here in terms of what's going on. But Everton remain pretty determined and, and insistent that they're going to keep hold of their best players. People like Richarlison, they see him as a really important part of the squad, rightly so, because I think I would argue that he's been Everton's best player so far this season. It just increases the scrutiny on him now, doesn't it, between now and the end of the season already. We're, we're seeing stuff on social media, certainly, about whether this guy is good enough for Barcelona, whether he is worth £85 million. People saying, oh, he's not even worth half of that. I don't know what planet those people are on because the player I've seen looks every inch the top footballer this season. Yeah, yeah. that's that's um, well one word Twitter, isn't it? Really, there's uh, <laughs> there's some interesting opinions flying around. It it is interesting to kind of speculate about any player's value, and it's such a subjective thing, and ultimately comes down to, I suppose, the market at the time and what clubs are willing to pay. But at least with strikers, you can you can hone the metric or the price a little bit based around well goals end product and therefore i've gone off on a tangent here but i'm just thinking out loud that everton got what was 70 odd million for lukaku from united well it was i think it was 75 million 75. guaranteed rising to like about 88 yeah depending so, on different clauses yeah so. exactly so and he sort of signed off his final season with 30 odd goals charleston isn't there yet but then he's a bit younger and he's got staggering potential. I don't know. Uh, like you, I, as far as I could tell from last night, there wasn't a bid. Um, so there was nothing for Everton to, to knock back. But yeah, Barcelona will have an eye on him. I could see he's the sort of player that would fit into their style. You know, in some ways, and I'm not comparing him directly to him, there's obviously quite a, a considerable gap between them at the moment. But you think about they're looking at Suarez is out at the moment injured. And Richardson shares many of the qualities of Suarez for me. The combativeness, the incessant work rate. Um, and if his finishing could ever be as you know ruthless as Suarez is, then yeah, you can absolutely imagine that he is a sort of player they'd covet. 
but not anytime soon, or rather it won't be happening anytime soon. Um, but what, I do, what it does bring home, mate, and it's interesting to see what you think about this, because we've written about it. Um, ultimately, would it not be the logical extension of Everton's model at the moment to buy cheap and inverted commas and eventually sell, very, eventually when they're ready, I should add, sell for very, very expensive? Is that how most clubs like the Atletico model? Yeah, I mean, you, you look at what Marcel Brands has said since he arrived at Everton, and it's very much been about streamlining the squad, getting young, hungry players, and turning them into top players. I think Everton's model at the moment necessitates, from a financial point of view, that every now and then there's a there's a sale, maybe to balance the books. You can't lose £111.8 million every year and easily stay within financial fair play. So just one big sale comfortably puts Everton within the tolerance with financial fair play. Lukaku did that, didn't he? When, when he went for the initial £75 million. So from Marcel Brand's point of view, I think he's coming to do a job. He he wants to bring the, the age of the squad down. He wants to bring in young, hungry players where possible. Richarlison fits into that model. And similar clubs around Europe, whether it be RB Leipzig, the the sister club Salzburg in in Austria, Lyon do it well in France, for example. All these clubs operate on on that kind of model. Where the little doubt into my in my mind comes into play is when we speak to people about Everton's intentions, and they are so determined whenever we speak to them to say, look. We're not a selling club. We don't want it to be like this. We want to keep hold of players like Richarlison. That's our absolute intention. And there's a slight conflict there, isn't there? Exactly. But I think it revolves around, if you accept that everyone is a selling club apart from Barca and Real Madrid, I think it comes around selling on your terms. Everton has a There was a time, let's say Wayne Rooney, when Everton were forced into sales by harsh economic demands and the demand of other clubs so what you've just very articulately summed up is when Everton are ready to do a deal for someone like Richarlison and it suits their sort of financial fair play landscape and more importantly, they feel that they can go and reinvest the money on similarly young players. But that's how I guess you incrementally grow um, and that's the key difference. But it's good that, you know, even though there was no bid to knock back, it's good that the noises that we're both hearing anyway, if, even if there had been, it wouldn't have been entertained at the stage. And that shows me that Everton, obviously under Mashiri, are in a different uh, different stage. Well, there's, there's also a, a time and a place to do deal, deals. And I think you mentioned this yourself just then. What would Everton achieve in selling Richarlison halfway through a, a Premier League season? At a point in time in which... They've just got a new manager in. The new manager highly favours Richarlison, has made them a crucial and central part of his new team. What message does that send? What does that do to results on the pitch? How would Everton be able to, with a, a day or so to the window, we're recording this podcast on Thursday, by the way, Thursday morning, how would Everton be able to respond to that and find a replacement? Because there's not a ready-made replacement within the squad. Yeah, give us the benefit of the doubt when, if you're listening to this as he's been unveiled at the Camp Nou <laughs> in Barcelona's kit. I'm joking. Uh, to be honest, to be honest, if that happens, then I'll be straight on our WhatsApp group telling people. <laughs> no, no podcast this week. No, no podcast this week. The other thing to point out as well is that when we've spoken to people about Barcelona's intentions, yeah, Richarlison's name has featured somewhere on a radar according to them. But 
they've tried to do other deals for strikers this month, partly because of an injury to Luis Suarez, um, coincidentally. And there was a deal with Rodrigo Moreno, the Valencia striker, that they tried to get over the line, I think for around £40 million, which they couldn't do. We're talking about £85 million here. And Barcelona had to take out a big loan, a hefty, sizable loan, to get Antoine Griezmann over the summer. So how we square this equation, how any of this makes any sense to me at this moment in time <laughs> remains up for debate, seriously up for debate. So I think we can kind of, as Everton are doing, quite rightly doing, Everton are drawing a line under this and saying, well, well, actually, we'll concentrate on the business we want to do, the stuff that's realistic and tangible, and we'll make sure that Richarlison continues to perform on the pitch for Everton moving forward. That's the most important thing, isn't it? Well, just a last point on this, but and you, you've kind of uh, hit on it there, is there any concern that this could have an unsettling effect on, on the player? No, I, I, I don't think these bids or the interest, if we're going to call it that, I don't think interest materialises overnight. I think often, if, if as we're led to believe, Barcelona have been tracking Richarlison for a while, then talk from Sky Sports is not going to be anything new to the player or his representatives. So I find it highly unlikely that that's going to destabilise a player as professional as Richarlison. This is a guy that saw Marco Silva as a father figure. So if anything was going to destabilise Richarlison at Everton, I'd argue it was going to be that mentor figure leaving and a new manager coming to the helm. I've not seen any concerted drop-off in performance levels from Richarlison. Almost the opposite. (laughs) If anything, he's been even better. I mean, you wrote... You wrote, you wrote a piece after the Brighton game about him, didn't, didn't you, where he scored that wonderful solo goal that nobody else on the pitch would have got close to doing um, to settle that game for Everton. That was shortly after Marco Silva left Goodison. So I, I'd give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he's a, he's a good, hungry, young professional. All these things, of course, feed into his price tag and his value to Everton. Um, and a guy... Let's not forget that can play across the forward line. You could you could play him on the left of the attack, the right of the attack, as a false nine, as a number nine, just off a main striker, and he'd be effective in all of those. I think positions. he plays in most systems. I can think of as well. He he puts in a defensive shift. He is uh, he's durable. He's touch wood. He's not injured very often. Yeah, I can uh, I can quite rightly see why other clubs would covet him, but thankfully. Um, it's almost certain that we'll be watching him in Royal Blue for a while or longer. Uh, let, let's stay on the transfer window in general. Like Paddy said, we're recording this on Thursday, just before lunchtime, so bear with us. Uh, it feels to me at the moment, mate, that there's it's quiet. And if you you know force me to say now what I think will happen, uh, I don't think as much is going to happen in a nutshell. I don't think they've been able to get the sort of players that they would like uh, lined up so I think my hunch is that they might just wait it out until the summer and then let Carlo do an overhaul then yeah I think we, we started the window wondering how Everton would square the need to give Ancelotti budget over time to revamp the squad in his own image with the financial realities uh, the situation at the club at the moment the bloated wage bill and everything else and very quickly got to a point at which the priority for Everton emerged that whatever business they did in terms of incomings, the main thing they wanted to achieve was getting rid of a few off the wage bill. Now, the names that were touted to us at the start of the window, Umanias, Kuko Martina, Jenk Tosin, 
as of Thursday morning when we're recording, one out of three from Everton's point of view. Getting Tosin's wages off the books temporarily is is a really important piece of business. Um, I think Nias has had more interest than Martina from what we've been told. But that interest has come from lower down the Football League pyramid. And it might not necessarily be with six months left on his deal what Umar Nias wants for himself. So I think that's been the focus. That's That's been brand's major concern it's not a window they like they've never liked it certainly Marcel Brands really doesn't like and is on record as saying that so you're right I think the majority of the business certainly the majority of the incomings will happen over the course of the summer we had a conversation didn't we the other day start of the week and kind of I said to you over the phone it just feels so quiet it really doesn't feel like this is a, a deadline week and obviously the deadline's Friday at 11 o'clock um, UK time. And still, on Thursday, it seems to be the case. The stuff that we're getting told about and the stuff that, that's cropping up, it's stuff like a bit of interest in Umar Nias, a link with Player X, let's say Matthias Vecino, because he's the latest one, shot down by, by Everton. And then um, a few bits and pieces with regards to players like Lewis Gibson and Morgan Feeney, players lower down the club in the under-23s. I can't say our phones are kind of buzzing and kind of <laughs> ringing 24-7, are they? Because uh, it just looks at this moment in time as though there's little business to be done, little business to be had, and it's more about Ancelotti assessing his options now for the summer. Is that your take? Yeah, abs- yeah it is. And, and do you know what? I think I would have said that uh, I know Brands identified right, right wing, didn't he, at the AGM? And I would have said, if you could do a deal there, uh, and if you could do a central midfielder on loan who could come in and make a difference, then it would be worth doing. But the caveat is that since we've learned of the astonishingly quick progress of Andre Gomez, back in full training this week, unbelievable. I remember November the 1st, me and you were talking after the, the Tottenham game, thinking it was at least a season-ending uh, injury. A couple of people, you know, and it's not hyperbole because at the time, Let's not underestimate how bad it was. A couple of people said to me, is this his career? Um, so, remarkable. But with him back on the horizon, and uh, the lesser spotted John-Philippe Cabaman also maybe coming back uh, in March, um, unless you could get like a really good midfielder who's going to come in and, and add to the options, it's just it doesn't feel worth it. Now, I know both those players, it might not be so straightforward that they just come straight into the team on March the 1st and, and they're instantly hitting the ground running and Gabamon takes the Premier League like a duck to water. There's a fair few games we'll have to muddle through with the sort of botched compromise of sentiment that we've had in the meantime, um, if that's not doing too much of a disservice to players like Tom Davis, who obviously you know, is good at what he does in terms of his energy and getting around. And I just don't think Everton have been able to find a player like that. Like Vicino, as you, we, we, me and you have discussed a few times, just didn't make sense if you're talking about paying a, a fee of 20 plus million euros. Uh, if it was on loan, maybe. But uh, you still have to think about wages. And so uh, I don't think, uh, actually, I also don't think like, there'll be a, a huge fume from, from Blues if we don't do any business. Um, it'd be nice to hear from brands at the end of the window. I hope the club make him available to give us his thoughts on uh, and just explain that. And I think most fans will go, do you know what, fair enough. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And there's a couple of things here, isn't there? First of all, fans are realistic, I think, about the financial predicament, having seen the accounts recently and, and everything to do with them. 
The second thing, of course, is that maybe the options haven't presented themselves in the way Everton would have liked. You used the example of Vecino. But, for example, we know Everton Suarez's name has come up in conversations, the Gremio wide attacker. Brands have spoken about wanting a right winger to challenge Theo Walcott. And Everton Suarez has spent the whole of his time playing on, on the left-hand side for Brazil and Gremio. So that doesn't seem to make any real sense, Vecino, likewise. So there are just a few things here. And I th- the fact that results have improved under Ancelotti, it's 11 league points in six games. It should have been 13 in six games before the weird final few minutes against Newcastle. I think people can see progress organically on the pitch with Ancelotti. But I also think people are starting to see the makings of combinations in certain parts of the team. So, for example, if you'd polled Everton fans at the end of last window, I think a lot of them would have said to you, we really still need a proven goal scorer, a 20-goal-a-season man, to kick us on. Now, poll those same fans again now, and my guess would be that nobody would identify centre-forward as being the area, major area for, for reinforcement for Everton. That's because we've got Richarlison into double figures, Calvert-Lewin's progressed so well this season, Moyes Keane, in the absence of Richarlison, obviously did so well against Newcastle. So you've got three options for that 4-4-2. Bernard is playing well on the left, producing more consistent performances. And you've had the emergence of Mason Holgate at centre-back. So immediately, Everton look a little bit more secure there. You throw Gomez and Bamin back into the mix. And obviously we know they're going to take time. But I think you can phase them in between now and the end of the season. And everything will sort of be okay. So it's a case of, yeah, maybe do some business if something really attractive presents itself. But how often do those attractive deals present themselves in in January? I think it's it's very rare. And that's why Brands and his long-held dislike for the... January transfer window yeah. is kind of partially vindicated, I feel. Yeah, I do. I think the reason you've seen clubs like Tottenham and United spend is because their business model are predicated on being in Europe, in the Champions League, really. Um, and so they've almost had to spend. Everton, you know, we've heard that they really value being in the Europa League financially. Um, and there's still a chance that if they can get any consistency, then they can get that. It's still gettable. But... Um, overall, it's been a quiet window, and like we said at the top of this section, I, uh, I suspect, barring any any late opportunities that are good, too good to resist, it'll remain so. The Athletic Podcast is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service that takes the hard work out of dressing well. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic and fill in a style quiz. Tell us about your personal style, budget, size and shape, and your clothing needs and wants. A personal stylist will then send you five items of clothing, each hand-picked especially for you, from our selection of 100 brands, including established names and up-and-coming designers. Try on everything at home and style with other items in your wardrobe, and then you can pay for what you love and send back the rest. For your stylist's time, you pay a charge of just a tenner, which is deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy. Remember, you try before you buy. Delivery and returns are free both ways, and you don't need a subscription to sign up. 
Get started with Stitch Fix today and support our podcast by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic right now. That's stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic. We've mentioned Carlo a couple of times already. Don't know when you'll be listening to this, but we've done a piece, haven't we, today, which is, is due up on the site about a month in uh, and what's changed or what hasn't changed. It was an interesting piece for us to... Uh, we, Paddy and I wrote it together and spoke to lots of different people. Um, and what was the phrase? It was not not really a revolution yet, is it? No, we we settled on quiet evolution, didn't we, in terms of what's taken place on the pitch. Like I said earlier, I think we have seen an improvement in performances. There's yeah. a difference in what Ancelotti is getting them to do on the pitch. And there's a difference around Finch Farm in terms of the atmosphere and the the attitude. All obviously clear improvements. But when you boil down what is actually being done in terms of, say, the day-to-day routine and things like that, the overriding sense that we got when we spoke to people is that not a lot has changed. It's very much a case of Ancelotti coming in, giving those players a bit of confidence, simplifying the system, saying this is four four two. I want my centre-backs to be bold and progressive in possession, be brave, play those passes between the lines. Let's get the ball to our creative wingers, people like Bernard. Let's get the ball to Calvert-Lewin and, and Richarlison quickly and put sides under pressure. We're starting to see that take hold. The the expected goals is, is well up. The amount of shots they have on target, the amount of passes they make, the amount of passes they make in, in their own half. All these stats are up, certainly on the silver regime and it, it there are stylistic differences but I think Ancelotti's presence and just the very subtle tweaks he's made here or there have paid off and the, it's a happy camp at this moment in time it's good to see I mean you were at Finch Farm weren't you recently and you you spoke to people and it feels like a different place to a few months ago when it felt like a morgue and that shows that slowly but surely things are starting to turn around I feel no, I totally agree. Um, and yeah, he hasn't made any huge flashy changes for the sake of it or to stamp his authority. I, I don't think he need, feels he needs to stamp his authority. This is a manager who's been there, seen it, done it and won it. So he's just come in and he's he's on a watching brief. And uh, I think it's fair to say as well that he's away from the CV as a, as a man. He's charming people at Fincham. Yeah. He, he's, he's making a good impression. He's positive. He's pleasant. He's got a laugh and a joke and you speak to the staff, the auxiliary staff who are there regardless of the manager, but still a huge part of the lifeblood of the football club and uh, no one's got a bad word to say about him. So very, very promising. Players on the whole really like him as well, don't they? Yeah, uh, yeah, of course. And there's always going to be, like you and I have alluded to in an earlier piece after the derby, there's going to be some players early doors who... Used to play in one way and then finding it hard to adapt to playing another way and will grumble and moan. I think they're very much in the, in the minority. Um, I think the senior players like Seamus Coleman, Leighton Baines, so on and so forth, are just absolutely uh, delighted to be playing under manager of his stature and uh, are very acquiescent of, look, we'll do whatever this guy wants to because he knows what will make a team successful. Let's go for it. <laughs> he's He's won. He's won everything there is to win in the in the in the in the game as a manager, hasn't he? And had a very successful career as a player. So I think those guys you mentioned there, people like Coleman and Baines, guys that have been around the football club for a while, f- see this as a breath of fresh air. Yeah. 
almost don't they? and club staff do as well on the whole so there is an air of positivity about it hopefully that reflects in the piece uh, the statistics I think are interesting the, you, the, you dug up some really interesting stats actually well yeah they, it, the, there is a divergence there's a clear divergence in the way in the way they go about things and, and um, defensive output remains more or less the same if you look at expected goals but like I say um, expected goals for right up right up from about 1.2-ish, 1.27 to 1.83 per game. Shots on targets up, general shots up. Um, but it's not just that as well. I mean, like, one of the things we saw is that they regained the ball 78 times against West Ham at the London Stadium, and that's the most this season for an Everton side. So more or less across the board, we are seeing concerted improvement. What I'd suggest is concerted improvement. The players on the whole like him, the staff on the whole like him. He's settling in well and is enjoying being on Merseyside and we're told he wants to settle. Probably in Crosby or Formby, close to Richarlison and Leighton Baines. Um, and yeah, be, I'm sure he'd be a nice neighbour for those guys to have, wouldn't he? Yeah, lads, there's a pan of pasta on. We've got oh. a bottle of red open. Maybe not the bottle of red, but certainly the pan of... Can we not just go and live by him? Uh, I mean, it sounds good. Sounds good to me. I, do, do you reckon we can like go halves on a, a property in there? <laughs> Come on, on these athletic salaries, surely. Well, that's it. I, mean, I bet he makes a fantastic Putinesque. Porter you know. cabin, maybe. <laughs> oh yeah. Now you're talking. I bet I, he does. I'll just I'll just hire out an Airbnb somewhere for a few weeks, but uh, an Arabiata or a Putinesque, a la Ancelotti. I bet he's a brilliant cook. You know, I bet he is. I bet he is. I bet he, he cuts the garlic really finely, like in Goodfellas as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The complete opposite of me. I absolutely butcher it. So. <laughs> Have we got to cut in garlic? That was me, sorry. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Gareth Barry was another uh, player that we've done a, a bit of a flashback. You were saying to me, weren't you, at the start of the week, uh, in our hyper-focused and structural meetings, Barry played really well at, at, uh, at West Brom. Yeah. West Ham, sorry, for West Brom, and they knocked him out of the cup. And from that observation, it became a piece, didn't it? Basically about how great he was. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I mean, there's there's an element of brainstorming to, to what we do, obviously. And of course, we started, Gareth Barry played really well. He was probably man of the match for West yeah. Brom at the London Stadium. Dominated the midfield. Yeah. But then you start thinking, I mean, there's the, given that it's the, it's the week of the transfer deadline, you start thinking about the business Everton have wanted to do or have looked at doing They've been after a central midfielder to yeah, kind of yeah, restructure yeah, exactly. things and to push them forward. And it just brings everything back around for me, this this idea of maybe the fact that personally Barry hasn't necessarily, or his influence in that midfield hasn't necessarily been replaced. I mean, when we, when we have conversations with people about him, we were hearing stuff about, stuff that I think maybe to the, to the eye, Passing the eye test in Goodison Park, you wouldn't necessarily have thought. So, like he was, they club staff were saying from the time he's strong as an ox. He he tops all the running tables at Everton in terms of the amount of distance he covers in games. You can rely on him to fill ga- fill in in the gaps when when players maraud forward, as Leighton Baines and Seamus Coleman did under Roberto Martinez. He was fantastic professionally. He would do well to recover and and train. In terms of composure on the ball, he was much better than the average English midfielder, I would argue, over the last 20 years. And two people, two separate people at different clubs, told us he was the best player they worked with. So, I mean, really high praise. I just thought, I thought it was the ideal time to look back at Gareth Barry, really, given what we're saying about Everton's midfield at the moment now. And maybe it's just a, it's just a reminder that 
of course you can have good players, and Everton do have good players in midfield. Andre Gomez is a really good midfielder. Jean-Philippe Gabamin, we hope, is going to be a really good midfielder. I think some of the other guys in there are very talented too. Yeah. But sometimes it's just doesn't there's, there's an element of leadership needed. Um, and it can be quiet leadership. It can just be leading by example, or it can be doing things in the right way, day in, day out. Gareth Barry did all of that. He was the embodiment of that. Um, and more than anything, I'd just like to have a look back to that 2013-14 season because Everton was so good that year. They were really, really good. In another year, 72 points. Uh, would have got them a Champions League place, really, wouldn't it? It's it's so Everton that that wasn't enough for a Champions League place that season, isn't it? Yeah. You know, when we went to places like the Emirates and went toe-to-toe with Arsenal and should have beat them, De La Faux scored a fantastic goal. And we walked out of North London thinking, you know, we deserve more than that. You know, go to United, beat them the first time in 20-odd years. Um, almost play a good Liverpool side off the park in, in that exciting derby with a three-all derby. Yeah, well, they, they had Luis Suarez and yeah, Steven Gerrard. Yeah, time, exactly. So what a season it was. I, I, I was working for the Echo covering that season and I would think it was a privilege in hindsight because it was just such an exciting uh, time to be a Blue and to be working in and around the club. Well, um, it, it was, wasn't it? And then I think the other thing that made supporters feel really optimistic about the future was not only were they playing good football, but there was a core of four or five young players. And obviously, in some quarters, they were called the Fantastic Four because of the Beatles reference, the Fab Four. You had Stones, De La Feu, Lukaku, players like that who just looked like they were going to explode. Yeah, and do you remember Barkley at Swansea as well when he shaved his head? Well, Ross Barkley as well. He was the Let one his that mom I was, cut his hair. I was forgetting the awful, awful um, decision from Ross Barkley and his mum. But, I mean, you had four really talented young players there, and I think people saw that potential and what they were doing in the here and, and now. And just thought, Everton, the, the world is Everton's oyster here if they can keep on keep hold of these players and, and kind of keep pushing. It actually actually makes me think a little bit about now. And like we were talking earlier about the young strikers. They've got three young strikers there in, uh, in Calvert-Lewin, Keane and Richarlison, who have all got vast potential. Yeah. And then you've got a centre-back in Mason Holgate, who is really, really excellent to the point at which he's on England's radar. So I think it, it's 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 taken that amount of time for Everton to find the similarly talented group of players. Yeah. Uh, but f- finally we have them, and I think that that's a cause for optimism Absolutely. in the, in the Hol- present day. Yeah, Holgate could almost be another Stones. He's certainly from the same, literally from the same school of uh, finishing in terms of Barnsley, isn't he? And but do you remember that famous quote from Bill Kenwright? I think he was speaking at a general meeting um, shortly after they signed Holgate. Uh, and his words uh, were, Barnsley's chairman told me they had a better prospect than John Stones. Yeah. His name was Mason Holgate. Remains to be seen how far Mason goes, but I think he's made real strides this season. We've mentioned this before on the pod. It almost becomes the, the Mason Holgate loving at times, but, but he has been very good. Uh, he's progressed a lot. I think for a young player, he also does look like a bit of a leader now at the back. So we've got four there. We've named four. There'll be more if you want to lump in people like Anthony Gordon and Tom Davis and and a few others. Lewis Gibson, who's, who's close to signing a new deal at the club. That's that's a tangible sign that Everton are building for the future. I feel even Jordan Pickford's still young in goalkeeping terms, isn't he? Maybe now we are starting to see Brand's vision mapped out and what it could look like in two, three years' time because... Of course, they need to do well in the present day, 
but they also need to plan for the future, and the future looks like it's in good hands at this it moment does. in time. It does. A quick uh, parting word on the outs. Um, Anthony Evans has gone to Paderborn on a permanent transfer. I'm sure a player that you've watched a lot. Um, great technique from set pieces, uh, but probably overall there was a feeling he wasn't the complete package to make it Everton. I, I must admit, I thought they would have kept him on, but um, decisions have been made there. Morgan Feeney looks like he's on his way to Tranmere on loan. Yeah. Um, what do you make of them quickly? I think it's a good move for Anthony Evans. Everton tried to find them a club over the summer, as they did with Harry Charsley. And for whatever reason, I don't think he'd had a particularly great loan spell at Blackpool last year, Evans. Didn't play as much as 12 appearances or something, I think. Yeah, well, it wasn't, wasn't many, and he was in and out of the side too. For whatever reason, they couldn't find them a club, which surprised me a little bit because technically he's, he's very good. He can play in a number of different positions. His set-piece delivery is excellent. He scores goals. So there's a lot going for the lad, and he's mobile and presses well and all that kind of stuff. So Germany just seems like such a logical move for me, given that Everton tried to get rid of him over the summer. He's come back and he's performed really well, and he's been one of Everton's key performers at under-23 level this season. So he now has an opportunity because of that form to go to what is currently a Bundesliga club, cut his trade there and make his way in the game there. That's got to be better than playing for a Blackpool or a Morecambe. Oh, it's got to be a hundred completely. times better. Absolutely. I've been to Blackpool and it's a nice town, by the way. Well, I mean, I, I quite fancy going now yeah. to go and see how he's getting on at yeah. some point. But he's just, his technical ability, players like him, my worry is always that if you drop down to League One, say, you see a different style of football, you see worse pitches. Think about Tranmere's pitch against Manchester United. I wouldn't want Anthony Evans on that pitch, but on kind of the nice, fertile plains of the Bundesliga, he might be able to start crafting some chances. So, good move for him. We believe Morgan Feeney will go, the under-23 captain, will go to Tranmere. That's likely at the moment, before the end of the window. And of course, Lewis Gibson, as we mentioned earlier this week, is likely to sign a new deal, which is which is excellent news for, for Everton. So, they're the, they're the outs. And obviously, we mentioned... Nias and Martina earlier doesn't seem like much else is in in the offing at this moment of time in either direction. Um, but there's, it doesn't kind of stop, does it? Really, Friday night deadline at eleven o'clock. I get a nine or ten o'clock train to Watford the next day for Everton against Watford, a game that pits Marco Silva's last two sides against each other. Richarlison, the supposed. Um, subject of an £85 million bid against his former side, Ducore, the midfielder, Marco Silva, coveted forlornly for, for a number of windows, playing against Everton in an Everton midfield that's depleted by injury. Loads and loads of subplots, so I, I think that's an interesting one. It does not stop. It is. It's interesting times indeed. Well, keep an eye on uh, our transfer live page, which is going to be on the website today, Thursday, or if you're listening tomorrow and Friday, it'll be up as well. Um, and, and Paddy and I will be feeding into that updates as and when we have them and um, yeah look out for Paddy's piece from Vicarage Road at the weekend as he says it's going to be an interesting one and for ad free podcasts make sure you subscribe to Athletic and listen through the app you can get a 40% discount code now by using the code EvertonPod we hope you've enjoyed listening and we'll see you next time Music